Today's podcast is sponsored by iTunes. Go to CheapSeatReviews.com, click on the iTunes button, and purchase anything you want. You can purchase this movie or the soundtrack or even selections of Steve Everett on iTunes, and you can get... Uh, we will get a small portion of that purchase to help out the podcast. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for your support. After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks, then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes? (laughs) I know, I know, it sounds crazy. Trust me, I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir, better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. (laughs) Okay. It's okay, I'm a cop. Trust me, I've been doing this for 11 years. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. This is Cheap Seat Reviews. Hello, and thank you for listening to Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. This is episode 72, and today is also a special episode. You're thinking to yourself, Sean, good God, you've had like four special episodes in a row. Well, yes, we have, and deal with it. Today's special episode is that the other guys um, are having the, the week off. Chad, uh, Corny, and Sam, they're all on vacation. Chad and Corn, uh, Sam are actually on vacation together with their wives and families. But we're all huh. on vacation. Uh, they're all on vacation. and uh, But I still wanted to do a podcast. And so I called in uh, a good friend of the show who was the uh, intro voice, the voice that you heard uh, in the intro for the first 50 or so episodes, our good friend Steve Everett. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. All right. In case you're like, Steve Everett, that same name sounds familiar. That, he was this guy. So, yeah, that's Steve. So, um, so we're not going to veer off the, the, the straight and narrow here. That is cheap seat reviews. We're going to continue to do things. So I am Sean Booby Allred, and joining me tonight is Stephen yippee Everett. <laughs> Oh, man. Yep. So let's pull up a comfy chair and dive into the show. So this is 1988's, technically 88, but 89, Die Hard. Um, I have said on many occasions on this particular podcast that this particular movie is a guilty pleasure. It made my top three of my top ten list. It was number three, uh, Steve. Um, And I give you full credit, responsibility, blame, Steve, for... My love of this movie and my love of all things 90s action flicks. I accept. There you uh, go. <laughs> happily. As you should. Um, in case you're wondering, well, Die Hard, I, I, I know that. Is it, you mean Die Hard with a, with a you know, good day to Die Hard? No, no. None of those new things where magic is involved. I'm talking about Die Hard. Well, what is Die Hard? Well, fortunately, the angry Scotsman stopped by to tell us a few kind words about Die Hard. Well, good evening, you bastards and bastardettes. Ah, you like that word? I just made that up. Bastardettes. Uh, 
That's for all you ladies out there. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I've got an intro for you to the movie Die Hard. So hang on to your seats. Here we go. John McClane, officer of the NYPD, tries to save his wife Holly and several others taken hostage by German terrorist Hans Gruber. During a Christmas party. Oh, I love Christmas parties. At the uh, Nakatomi Plaza. Right, sure, whatever. In Los Angeles. That's very specific, IMDb. Good for you. This movie features all of our 80s favourites, like Ugly Women, Carl Winslow from Family Matters, and, of course, Alan Rickman. All right, yippee-ki-yay, mother and that's just for you, Sean, so you'll have to edit later. Love you, buddy. Bye-bye. I hate you. All right. Andrew used our one F-bomb. Ah, uh, dang it. Okay, well, there you go. No, don't worry. Bruce will just use it later. Um, there you go. That's, uh, that's, that is Die Hard. Uh, in case you were confused about what happens, basically, Alan Rickman is a, is a bank thief. He's an exceptional thief. And his, the whole plan is that you... You, you steal a bunch of money, but if the people think that you're dead, they're not looking for you. So you blow up a building. All right? That's pretty much it. Right, Steve? Yeah, I think that, that sums it up. Although I don't want to start the rumor that Alan Rickman himself is a phenomenal thief. I, you know, Hans Gruber, the character he plays, is a thief. But. That's 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 fair. He uh, Though he did steal my heart as uh, Severus oh. Snape in uh, Harry Potter. But, you know. What's Harry Potter? Is that another movie? Yeah, it's, uh, there's some books that were written, and then there were eight films for some reason. Huh. There were seven books, but eight films. I, I'm not really sure why, but money. You know, it's like... <laughs> money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Alan Rickman, he's also done... Uh, he was also really great as the bad guy in uh, the Kevin Costner uh, Robin Hood. He plays uh, the prince of whatever, and or the sheriff of Nottingham. Sheriff of... Yeah. And um, that's also a movie that I actually like, even though Kevin Costner doesn't speak with an English accent, but that's okay. Or a British accent. I like to, I like to think that any time that happens, it's because they tried and the director was like, nope. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Kevin's like, hey, I can do this. Uh, oh, yeah. This sounds English, right? Mm, yeah, no, okay. no, Kevin, no, we're going to stop. Just, just, just do normal. But, but I'm in England. And Wait, no one. the cops are coming after me. Hang on. Okay. You hear those sirens? Well, they finally answered John McClane's radio call. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I, so, 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 Steve, though, you probably are a so – since you're such a busy rock star and, and probably don't get to listen to the podcast, at this point of the show, I, I ask you, uh, my, my co-compatriot, uh, is this the first time you've seen it? Which I know it isn't. Um, but, you know, when was the last time you watched it? Um, and does it hold up in your mind? Yeah, I uh, this is one of those movies kind of like Shawshank Redemption where I don't have to be in the mood to watch Die Hard. Like if I'm if I'm somewhere and it's on TV, I'm like, well, here's two hours taken up by watching this movie. So, uh, yeah, it holds up for me because it's just nine millimeters and explosions and a building and like crawling around in air shafts, which is stuff that I've always really been fond of. So, I mean, nothing has changed Uh other than now, as an adult, when I watch it, when Al Pal eats those uh, Twinkies, I just get really jealous because I, I don't eat junk food anymore. But I'm always like, huh, that looks pretty good. Right. <laughs> yeah, but really? Uh, yeah. Were you done? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. 
Well, now I'm done. Just kidding. No, yeah, that, that, I'm, I'm done. Okay. That, uh, that kind of is pretty much the same thing for me. No, this movie, I think, is actually fairly timeless. The only thing that doesn't hold up is the, 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 the computers that make noise because they have to for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and uh, maybe Molly's haircut. Ooh. Yeah. But other than that, it, it's just, you're right. It's just bad guys and good guys shooting at each other and, uh, and, and guns and explosions and, and things like that. I mean, it's this movie defined action movies. I mean, this movie became a trope in and of itself. You know, I mentioned in, in my uh, top ten that there are now other things that you refer to as the diehard of that. Um, there's a, I'm a fan of the TV show Leverage. There's a diehard episode of Leverage. I'm also a big fan of Chuck. We just had, I just watched a diehard episode of Chuck. And there's other shows that do this where it's one person versus a bunch of other people, usually in a building. And you're like, oh, this is the diehard episode. Right. So uh, th- this movie, I think, kind of, it kind of changed action flicks. I can't remember which one came out first, this one or Lethal Weapon. I think... I think Lethal Weapon came out after this. I think Lethal Weapon was 89. Am I... I, I was thinking Lethal Weapon was a little bit... Uh, uh, for a little bit earlier in the 80s. Was it? Maybe mm-hmm. like 87, 88? Uh, well, if I can spell... Apparently... Oh, 87. So the literally the year before. Okay. Um, I still think this is a better movie than Lethal Weapon, but that's just my personal preference. Yeah, um, well... I think they benefited from uh, putting Christmas in. I don't know why, but I think that was genius on some for some reason. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I, I'd also I think it's it's different than when you have. Uh, I, I don't know. It, to me, this one just maybe the maybe maybe Lethal Weapon is more quote unquote realistic because it's just a couple of cops having to deal with whatever, as opposed to Bruce Willis is having to take on eight or 12 terrorists in a building by himself with the worst cops that LA has ever produced. <laughs> um, uh, and that leads me to my first trope, bad cops. My gosh, those cops are dumb. Um, I, I, I had not, uh, so I, to answer my own question, as I always forget to do, uh, yes, I've seen this. Yes. It holds up in my opinion. I watched it for the podcast, obviously a few weeks, uh, last week. Um, on my Blu-ray player, because I bought it on Blu-ray. And by the way, the Blu-ray conversion looks great. You can really tell the difference between Bruce Willis and his stunt doubles. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you really can. Um, but what was I going to say? My first trope? Yeah, bad cops. Oh, my God, those cops are terrible. So this time when I'm watching it, I was putting on my patent-pending CSR glasses. And not only are those cops bad, but they're exponent. They, like, they, can, they get worse as the movie goes on. Did you notice, like, like Al Powell shows up and you're you're his buddy, right? Right. You know, we like Al, and then he gets shot at, and then he's like the voice of reason amongst this sea of terrible, and like, you know, he was saying like when they first get there, they're like, oh, we gotta be careful. We want to try to pick the lock, blah blah blah. Like they know you're coming. So then the guy brings out a blowtorch. Blow he's gonna blowtorch a lock on a glass door. Right. Because so, they don't want to break the glass. And then once those guys get shot, they just go immediately from plan B to plan, I don't know, F, without that freaking car, that tank they bring in. Which, what was the, what was the intention of that? Like, what was the plan? All right, we're going to take this thing and just ram it into the lobby? Right. Like, was that the, that was the plan? Like, again, like, literally the cops 
their motivation was literally for us to laugh at. You know, right. you know, if if you actually speed up their whole thing and then put it to the Benny Hill music, it would be hilarious. <laughs> that's that's what I loved about '90s action flicks is that even the really like tough, hard hitting action flicks, they still made time for lightheartedness. You know, kind of interspersed in between murder scenes or like, I mean, you just you'd go from gross incompetence to just bloody murder right right exactly and and usually that bloody murder is because of the gross incompetence <laughs> right right um uh, uh uh john mctiernan directed this this is like we've done pretty much all of his films on on cheap seat reviews um uh we have not done die hard with a vengeance but we have done hunt for october last action hero uh and the thomas crown affair so literally, the only thing we're missing is like basic rollerball. I I thought we did the Thirteenth Warrior, but apparently I was wrong. And Predator, and like that will have been, we will have done the pantheon that is John McTiernan. The um, pantheon. I guess. Were, were you surprised that Bruce Willis didn't do his own stunts in this movie? Not really. The dude was he probably was too exhausted from having to film during the day, moonlighting. Yeah, just from having to put up with Sybil Shepherd all day. All day. I mean, good God. <laughs> Um, so that'll get into some of our trivia later. I got some really great trivia that even Steve, I don't think you knew. Um, okay. but that doesn't, I, I didn't know it, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's actually some pretty great trivia. Um, uh, so again, also being now that I'm a working stiff watching this movie, there's a couple of things that became extremely apparent in my opinion. One, like, uh, uh, Takagi is a dick for making them have a party on Christmas Eve. What a jerk. Right. Go home. Have the party on the 23rd. Anyway. Um, the, uh, I also thought it was kind of uh, funny that, again, I have a child now, so my wife was very, when she was pregnant, was very, um, what's the word, like cognizant of what she put in her body. And, like, the, dr- the, the pregnant lady was like, think I could have a little sip of alcohol? It's like, no, <laughs> you're pregnant. But, you know, yeah. it's funny because whatever. Um, we also had the trope of uh, interrupted sex. Did you see that one? Yeah, for sure, oh, which yeah. I, I think that's most of the uh, action movies from, from that time period yeah. were just like, well, we got to put some boobs in this somehow. What if someone just stumbles into a room and yeah. then you get like the quick boob shot and then we move on? Yeah, pretty much. And they're always screaming and it depends on who's interrupting it. If it's the bad guys, they just burst through and they don't care. If it's the good guy, they always apologize. Or, or make a joke like, uh, yeah. oh, hey, oh. That's what's going on. Yeah, good job there, man, or something like that. Or, yeah, 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 right on. Yeah, like if Jackie Chan would do R-rated movies, I could see him like swinging through a like a balcony into a hotel while they're having sex, and he's just like, "Ooh, ooh, sorry, sorry," and then like runs through, you know? Right. Um, but but yeah, like they do. I think they even do it in like Predator Two, and there's a couple other movies that are based like that that people are having sex and they just you know I guess it's because it's funny. I don't know. Um, I, th- I think that was just the absence of uh, women executives in board meetings at that time. Yeah. I'm sure now those same guys are bringing up the same things, and then the ladies in the room are like, no, why are we going to do that, Daryl? Right. <laughs> Sorry. And why is your name Daryl? It's just 2015. Right. Um, exactly. Sorry. Well, he's 75, so. Um, another uh, thing I thought was kind of funny. So Bruce Willis, he goes to the airport, whatever, right? He gets picked up by Argyle, which is a cool name. He goes to the to whatever, uh, and he gets to the front desk, 
and he has to hit the really kind of pretty cutting-edge wayfinding for 1989. I mean, it was a touchscreen, which was pretty impressive for for the time. And he he goes through the process of finding that his wife is now using her her maiden name. Maiden name. And then he goes, oh, 30th floor, which I think is whatever. So then the security guy goes, oh, yeah, they're the only ones left in the building. You could have right. said that when I first walked in. Hey, I'm looking for Holly Gennaro. Oh, she's probably in the party on the 30th floor. Thanks. Yeah. You know, but she's probably she's probably with that group of people who is the only, only group of people, people in the building. Exactly. Yeah. What a dick. That's that that also holds up because uh, entry level workers at corporations are still that just yeah. totally oblivious to what's going on. Oh, there's a computer screen in the front that does my job for me, so I don't actually have to interact with you unless I don't you know if I don't have to. America. Um, that's right. The other one was like, I just realized this literally as we're, we're talking now, Steve, that Alan Rickman's plan needs hostages. What if Takagi right. would have said, hey, no party this year. See ya New Year's Eve, New Year's. And Alan Rickman shows up and the only guys in the building are security guys. They probably wouldn't have had all those cameras to film this uh, documentary. <laughs> oh, right. Exactly. Um, I see your point. But anyways, <laughs> again, good good job for Alan Rickman planning everything out, except, of course, the cop from New York, which, of course, is a trope, the New York cop in L.A. where everything's weird and crazy because New York is the only way. Uh, of course, in the 80s and 90s, New York was a shithole. It was dirty and dark, and every movie was filmed there. It was dark, and it's always raining. I mean... Like, the, yeah. you know, like just every movie for some reason, it's the, the you know, we, we joke in the podcast that Detroit is like the shithole of the world and New York is like right next to it there in the view of the 80s. I mean, because we did RoboCop. Good God. Detroit was terrible in RoboCop. I don't know if you've seen that recently, but man. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw that when it came out and even then I was like, is this for real? <laughs> it, to, there is more dirt in Detroit of RoboCop than there is outside where you're sitting right now in your backyard. I mean, like everything was dirty. I mean, just even yeah. the cop cars that were indoors were dirty. That place was filthy. It was hilarious. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, Ellis. God. First of all, you want to just punch him in the face. Um, yeah. Uh, after he did his Coke. Uh, so, we just did, uh, Steve, um, Wolf of Wall Street for the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, five I listened ago. to that one, yeah. And it was uh, an interesting movie. And so then I watched this, and I see Ellis, who is kind of a Wall Street guy, just in L.A., doing coke. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, Die Hard knew what was going on. So, I mean, obviously, like, that actually, to me, kind of makes what we saw in Wolf of Wall Street kind of hold water. Like, that's actually how it was, you know, like, um, yeah, the, instead of using the F word, which he did use the F word, but he says stuff like booby, I'm your white knight. Is, right. that, is that racist? What's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> uh, I just thought that was uh, interesting that, you know, and, and of course he was a complete douche. I mean, he was just McDouche McBaggins. I mean, that's just what he was. Um, right. I, uh, I forgot what his audio clip was, but my script tells me I'm supposed to play it now. So here we go. So Kareem rebounds, right? All right yeah. Feeds Worthy on the break, over to AC, to Magic, then back to Worthy, right? Boom! Two points. 
Oh, back when the Lakers were good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, though they, of course, won a couple championships since then, but that's not the point. I just, I just shout out to the North Carolina Tar Heel shout out. Uh, oh yeah, worthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Like we're just gonna casually talk to this guy and then shoot him in the face. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's what you do. Um, well, and, and uh, important to point out from that scene is that the. Uh, the computer guy for Hans is uh, Trivette from Walker, Texas Ranger. Really? His other shining uh, role in American cinema. That's great. I thought I saw something that he was like on the Cosby show for an episode, too, or something. But maybe that's, that's, maybe that's just me being racist. I don't know. Yeah. Just like, cast. Yeah, just because all black guys are on that show. Clarence Gilliard, Gilliard Jr. is his name. Of course. Yeah, yeah. T- Front Walker. Oh, he was in Top Gun. That's right. He was the black oh, guy yeah. in Top Gun. Was he Merlin? I think he was Merlin. No, Merlin was one of the instructors. I will find out what his name was. He was Sundown. Because, you okay. know, when the sun goes down, it's black. Oh. God. Oh, yeah. Wait. I think he was the lookout for uh, for Tim Robbins, who was Merlin, I think. Maybe. Tim Robbins? Was he in that movie? Was he the beginning? Yeah. No, he's, I'm pretty sure he's flying when, uh, Merlin. I just want to call him. Yeah. Was it Tim Robbins? Was yeah. Merlin? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's, that's great though. Sundown. Can we, I'd like to think we, that when they, when they cast him for Shawshank Redemption, they were like, Hey man, we loved you in those four scenes in Top Gun. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh Yes. That actually really makes me wonder, what did he do before Shawshank Redemption? I Who, Tim? Yeah. What was he doing Bull before? Durham. That was his big deal. Oh, yeah, 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 Bull Durham. Even though that was Well, he did some St. Elsewhere. And then Top Gun. He did Saturday Night Live. There you go. I've seen that movie. Twister? Oh, wrong Twister. Okay. Uh, yeah, Hudsucker Proxy right before Shawshank. Uh, so there you go. For the audience, this is uh, Sean's not looking at uh, IMDb. This is just off the top of his head. Right. I wish. I wish I had a brain like that. I don't know why and what, for what good it would be. But anyway, in his photo, Clarence Gilliard Jr.'s photo, he looks like Denzel Washington, and that's not racist. I mean, it's just, it's just he does. Anyway, he's a good-looking guy. He is a good-looking guy, and he he played a good nerd. You know, he played a good nerd. A nerd that didn't yeah. mind people getting shot in front of him, which is a little different. Which is a rare find. Like, I, you could make a whole other movie about Hans Gruber recruiting this team. Right. I kind of want to see that movie, actually. Like, him getting... About to, to die hard. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> we just made the prequel. Fitting to die hard. Fitting to die hard. I like it. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, I like this idea. You and I will get this together. And uh, we'll uh, we'll get corny to, to play the black guy, and yeah. uh, um, I don't know. I guess you're wearing a wife beater right now, so I guess you can play uh, John McClane. Oh, perfect! Yeah. I gotta get a scar on my left shoulder. Yeah, and either lose your hair or <laughs> do something with it. Anyway, enough for our casting choices. Um, I lost my script. Where did it go? I can't think by myself. Um. Even the bad guys knew the party was on the 30th floor. Like, thought that was kind of funny. They just went to the right one. Also, that trope of bad guys firing bullets into the air and nothing falls down. 
Like, yeah. that's just a ceiling grid. That crap would fall down instantly. Have you ever, like, handled, like, ceiling tile? That stuff breaks just instantly. You know, you look at it wrong and it breaks. I mean, you, you, we all went to high school. That stuff was, every one of them was broken. And it just, you throw a pin into it, broken. Um, I've never handled ceiling tile, but I've fired a lot of uh, automatic assault rifles indoors. And you're 100% correct. <laughs> right? Yeah, just stuff would be raining down on your seat, like on your face, like all night. Um, this was funny. I edited it a little bit, obviously for the F word, but also to con- whatever. This is great. It's the same address as that fire signal. I'll handle it. Attention, whoever you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Oh f- shit, lady! Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? They have already killed one hostage. They are fortifying their positions while you're jerking me up on the radio. Now send the police Sir, back I've up. already ASAP. told you, this is a reserve channel. If this is an emergency call, dial 911 on your telephone. Otherwise, I'll have to report this as an FCC violation. Fine. report me. Come the f*** down here and arrest me. Just send the police. <laughs> then, the, then the shooting starts and it's really loud. Yeah. I just... I... I we're all in the audience screaming, going, how dumb do you have to be, woman? There's a guy screaming at you on the radio about thing, bad things happening. And you're like, well, I'm going to have to report this to the FCC. And then gunfire. And they just look at their headsets. And they're like, well, just send a car by. I'm sure it's nothing. It's just kids being silly. Right. <sighs> Pro- That's okay. Protocol. Yeah. Seeing the bureaucracy. We're all going to die because of the bureaucracy. Did you see that 70 cents for gas? Man, that was nice, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Although those cars were getting like 12 miles to the gallon, so it kind of <laughs> evens out. Yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, actually. Um, God, the 80s. Uh, you see all those normal cars, like the cop cars and the civilian cars and the limo, and it's all just the same car. There's different colors and like the limo's longer. But yeah. every... <laughs> We just we haven't figured out how to make different styles or anything or how to shape metal differently, I guess. Yeah, well, it's like in the 40s and 50s, all of the cars were round. And then someone was like, oh, no, no, round's not the way to do. Sharp edges. And then from yeah. like 71 to 93, everything was sharp edges. It's, yeah. You're right. I mean, like, especially the, like the Mercedes-Benz and the Ford, the Crown Vic that he's driving – and even the limo, which I don't know what vehicle that was, brand it was. It was just it was just a sharp box. Like, you could cut yourself if you drove too close to you. Yeah. Um, uh, what? <laughs> oh, John got lucky that the duck in the duct ducked that the Amish guy didn't uh, keep checking. That was, uh, that was, uh, most of, I mean, we have to be, we have to be fair. Bruce Willis survives this movie because, A, the bad guys are kind of dumb, and the bad guys are kind of lazy. Yeah. You know, like, if he just checks one more, he, he gets him, you know? Or at, when the guy is on top of the table shooting down, if he doesn't stop to monologue and reload, he just, all he does, if he just jumps off the table and just leans over, and you know, but, you know, again, would make for a short movie. Uh, right. But, you know, it's, it, it is, it's, good, it's a good thing that, they're all dumb. So that's how, again, I just want to, how, how did Hans Gruber get these guys? You know, because, well, they have, they had great instincts. They just didn't follow through. Right. Like, I think he's in that duck. Well, I checked half of this duct work and, and then the radio called me and 
which I already turned off earlier, but now it's important. So I guess I'm going to stare angrily at the ductwork. Yeah, which reminds me of the cool way that Hans Gruber says, the roof, go. <laughs> I didn't capture that part, uh, but I should have. Uh, of course, I had to capture this. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. So, there you go. You know, because I had to. I didn't get Yippee-ki-yay. Uh, wait, did I? Maybe it's not. all right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, Come out to the coast, let's get together, have a few laughs is such a perfect uh, encapsulation of of every every relationship and just everybody's been talked into something and then it doesn't go well and then they're just like oh come out to the coast we'll get together I don't feel you know oh, that's yeah, oh, so yeah. perfect oh yeah we'd be sweet. We, I said that this weekend when I went to Florida with, to visit my um, my Sarah's grandparents because uh, everything that we tried to do we couldn't do we wanted to go to this one place near Disney and it was closed we wanted to go to um, uh, to the beach, and the beach was closed because of the the, the rocket launch they were doing. Uh, we went to go. It was like six different things that like weren't working out. We still had a great time, and we still got to watch the rocket launch, even though it exploded. Um, but there you go. Um, uh, Dwayne, the 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 no Dwayne, not Dwayne Johnson. What's his name? Dwayne the cop, you know what I'm talking about. Um, special Agent Johnson. No, not Special Agent Johnson. What's his face? The, the Paul Gleason, Miss oh, Bull. Yeah. You get the horns. Um, yeah. He drove me crazy. Um, just again, how do you get to become what was he, Lieutenant something? I, I have the of the, the police force. Yeah. Yeah, like the Lieutenant whatever of the police force, and you're that. I don't. Know, I just. Watching the movie this time, for whatever reason, I still had a great time. I don't want to feel like I'm bashing my own movie. Again, this was my number three movie of all time. I just loved this movie with open arms and embraced it. But as I'm watching it with a, with a critical eye this time, I'm like, hell, how did you get to be a cop? How did you get to be, like, you know, like, you're, you kind of suck at being a cop. And that, and uh, the, what's his name? Eat it, Harvey. What's that guy? You know what I'm talking about? Peck? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good gosh. Did, you, when Holly punched him at the end, you're like, yeah. And it's movies like this, and there's other movies that, especially in the, in the 90s, early 90s and mid-80s, they just shit on the media. Um, I don't know why we hated the media so much back then, um, but I think we did a movie recently where they were, it was the same kind of thing, where we were, they were, the media caused, I can't remember what it was now, but because of the media, bad things happened. Uh, right. this, this movie's the same thing. If it wasn't for him being all Snoopy and, like, sticking a camera in front of her, his, their kid's face, then Hans Gruber wouldn't have seen the picture and, you know, Mrs. McLean. So. Uh, well, I think we were a little bit more into our privacy at that time. I guess, yeah. That was before we decided to put every freaking thing that we do on the Internet. Um, yeah. I've got a hundred. Oops, sorry. <laughs> little, uh preemptive uh, button pushing. But since I've already pushed the button, I might as well. I've got a hundred people down here and they're covered with glass. Glass? Who gives a shit about glass? What the fuck is this? This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson and I am in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge? Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, it doesn't look like you're in charge of jack shit. 
You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt f on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> Here we go. I love it. I forgot about Argyle's uh, crazy laugh. Because <laughs> yeah. he's listening to the garage being useless. Um, yeah, there you go. Uh, With that huge stuffed animal. Right, <laughs> the bear that just keeps laughing at him. Um, yep, and then, so, oh, I didn't capture that, but I wanted to. So you mentioned Agent Johnson just a minute ago. You know when he gets on the phone and he says, this is Special Agent Johnson? No, the other one. Oh, I wanted other one, to yeah. know what the guy on the phone says. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, is it the black yeah. one? Well, no, no, no <laughs> yeah. it's the other one. You know? Yeah. You know, like, like I always wanted to know that. Like, for years, I've wanted to know that. Um, and you know that part where he said, it's like effing Saigon. He goes, I was in junior high, dickhead. They're, like, yeah, only, he- like, two years apart in age. But because what's-his-face is so pot-marked that he, he looks like he's 60 when he's, like, 39. Right, he's got Tommy Lee Jones' face. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's actually kind of, yeah. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what his name Hey, Tommy Lee Jones' face is the diehard of pockmark faces. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that sentence has ever been said, but thank you for oh, saying it. You're welcome. Um, is it, no, Special Agent Johnson. Yeah, Robert Davey, Di- yeah, Davey, who is... He's, well, he's, he was born in 51. All right, come on, math math majors. In, in 51, so in 89, he would have been, I mean, he would have been 40, so he was 39. Right. He looks like he's 60 in that yeah, role. Yeah, he's not, he's not doing great. No, he's not. Oh, I forgot he was one of the bad guys in The Goonies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looked 50 in that role, too. He's still making movies. Holy crap. As of 2016, 2015, he's making something called Spring Break 83, a movie called Reagan. Regan? Regan. Poor Paul, Sicilian Vampire, Your Move, Spreading Darkness, Feast of Fear, and Criminal. Jeez. Those sound, those sound like straight-to-DVD movies. Yeah, most of them uh, don't have pictures. Like, they don't have production anything. Spring Break 83... Announced, the Z Rose Z letter Z dash Rose four friends who are bullied by their graduating high school class find revenge against the now freshman college students while in spring break during '83. So revenge of the nerds. All right, good job. Anyway, I don't care about that anymore. Good job. If you're still acting. I appreciate it. Though, like, he's actually kind of old now, <laughs> so he yeah. must look ancient. Yeah, we need you to play like a hundred. But I'm only 50. Yeah, but you kind of look 100. Okay. Here's $100,000. Yeah, okay. Why not? I got an overdue cable bill. Um, what do they put in these things anyway? Sugar and rich flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Just everything a growing boy needs. That's right. Um, there you go. There's your Twinkie reference from earlier, Steve. I'm about to go raid my pantry. Any any Twinkies in there? No. That's probably if there were, I would just drink too much wine and eat them all. (laughs) That sounds terrible. Wine and Twinkies. It sounds terrible when you're not drunk on wine, but when you're drunk on wine, it sounds great. I guess that's fair. Uh, Tropes I wrote: fish out of water. Uh, The hero has family issues, which is everyone. 
Bad guys interrupt sex. I mean, 80s computers make lots of noises. Dumb bad guys, dumb police. Yeah, so all the stuff that I've already mentioned. I have one more audio clip, but it's part of the trivia, so I'm going to save that for later. But before we get to trivia, Audible.com also sponsored this show. You can check out, you can get a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash cheap seat reviews. In fact, you can get the book that this movie is based on. I just don't remember what it's called, but I'm pretty sure I have it here in the trivia. Speaking of trivia, special extra loud blanks were used for the making of this film to add for the hyper-realism director John McTiernan was looking for. Unfortunately for Bruce Willis, some of these blanks were used in the scenes where where he kills a terrorist by shooting them through the bottom of the table. The proximity of the gun to Willis's ear during this scene caused permanent hearing loss for Willis. So if you're ever talking to him, don't talk in his left ear. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. So whenever we whenever we hear about actors making a lot of money and go, they don't do anything. Uh, yeah. They they actually do whatever. Uh, the scene where McLean falls down a shaft was mis- uh, was a mistake by the stuntman who was supposed to grab the first vent as it originally was planned. He slipped, continued to fall, but the shot was used anyway. It was edited together with where McLean grabs the vent, the next vent down as he falls. That, uh, that poor stuntman, right? Yeah, I'm sure that he got fired immediately. Uh, either that or they gave him a raise. Uh, oh, good <laughs> job. You made the movie better. The Nakatomi Tower is actually the headquarters for 20th Century Fox. So how about that? Is that the studio that made the movie? Yep. <laughs> It'd be great if it wasn't. They just really like their building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is CBS Studios, but we want to use your building because it's cooler. Okay. John McTiernan was originally going to make Commando 2, which starred Arnold Schwarzenegger. Commando starred Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I've mentioned on this movie. It's one of Corny's top ten movies, and I think it's hilarious. Have you ever seen Commando, Steve? Is Ray Don Chong in that? Oh, God. Now you got to make me look. Is she the girl? I think so. Come, no, 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 the girl... Uh, no, the girl is uh, uh, Melissa Milano. Commando. Uh, Melissa from, Milano. Oh, Alyssa Milano from Who's the Boss? Uh, yeah, sure. Who's the Commando boss? Commando. Why can't I spell Commando? Jeez. There's right. there's like nine M's in Commando. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, so uh, Commando. Yeah, Ray Don Chong is that. Yeah, Cindy is her name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right, wow. She actually looks pretty good for her age. Good job. Um... Yeah, she, fire, Chong. she fires a bazooka backwards. Yeah, which yeah. is, I would probably do that if I ever fired a bazooka. <laughs> I doubt that you would. I think you're smart enough to know which way the, uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so Commando, um, Corny made me watch it, and it's hilarious um, for all the wrong reasons. Anyway, he was going to make Commando 2, but Arnold Schwarzenegger turns down the role. Commando 2 was turned into this film. Schwarzenegger was the first actor offered the title role, but he again declined. Eventually, Bruce Willis would get the part after it had been offered to Sylvester Stallone, Burt Reynolds, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, and Richard Gere. Burt Reynolds? Yeah. Could you have seen Burt Reynolds in that, in this movie? In in anything but, you know, uh, a cowboy hat and cowboy boots? I'd like to. (laughs) You'd like to see him in anything but that? Uh, on Alan Rickman's first day of shooting, he filmed the scene where Hans Gruber first runs, into, first runs into John McLean. 
He made a jump off the ledge about three feet high. He injured his knee when he landed and damaged the cartilage in his knee. He was told by his doctor not to put any weight on that leg, and he had to use crutches for a week. For the rest of the scene where Hans Gruber is standing talking to John McClane, Alan Rickman is standing on one leg for the entire time and has a leg brace under his pants. Wow. Right? Like <laughs> Now i, I got to go back and watch. Right? Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Bruce Willis was also shooting moonlighting concurrently with accounts for why, which accounts for why nearly all of McClane's scenes take place at night. Willis would shoot his TV series during the day and then come to Fox lot in the evening to work on his film. When did the dude sleep? I mean... That's that's a good question, but that also begs the uh, question, like, when they pitched him this movie, how, how could he not be like, you know what, I should probably just come off of this moonlighting thing. Like, he really believed in the future of moonlighting enough right. to be like, I'm going to jeopardize my ability to take this role. Well, I think he might have... I think he was just under contract. I mean, he, he couldn't get away, yeah. but, like... But, I mean, like... He's not going to say no, because when they came to him, like, we want you to do this action flick. He's like, well, I've not done an action flick. I've done that silly buddy cop stealing things movie um, where they sing and dance. What was that movie? Hudson Hawk. Yeah, Hudson Hawk. And then they're like, hey, we're going to pay you $3 million, which is unheard of in 1989. Rupert Murdoch himself signed the check. He approved it. And uh, he was like, I mean, you'd do it for $3 million, right? Um there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I would do for $3 million. <laughs> That's very true. Um, I love this one. This is one of my favorite ones. For the shot where Hans Gruber falls from the top of the building, Alan Rickman was actually falling from a 21-foot-high model. He was and obviously into a bag. Uh, he was holding what, on to what a, was the What was the model's name? Um, I don't have anything clever to say here. <laughs> she sounds she sounds tall. Yeah, uh, Nakatomi apparently. She's, <laughs> Nakatomi. she's she's Asian, you know, like yeah, like uh, what was that Asian basketball player uh, who was seven six? What was his name? Played for the Houston Rockets. Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yeah, yeah. They grow them big out there for some reason. Um, saw that rice. <laughs> um, he was holding on to a stunt man and falling into an airbag, which I just said to the right. To get the right reaction, the stuntman dropped Rickman on the count of two and not three. So that that um, surprised reaction on his face is like a genuine, holy crap, he just let go of yeah. the reaction. So I think that's actually kind of great. Um, and here is our last piece of trivia, which also accompanies a little bit of music. Um, the cue when when Powell shoots Carl at the end of the film was uh, the music cue was actually unused track from James Horner's Academy Award nominated score for Aliens another huh. Fox film specifically the music was originally intended for the scene near the end of the film in which Ripley battles the alien queen on board the Solco Solico instead an earlier music cue was reused leaving the cue available for this film um, a second music cue scored by John Scott for the film Man on Fire in 1987 was also used. The music can be heard when John McClane and Helen Mee in the movie. So uh, I wanted to capture that. Um, um, when the time of this podcast is recorded, we are only a week and a half, two weeks away from James Horner's un- a tragic death. And, and I wanted to play just a little bit of music in, in honor of him. So uh, this is Al Powell. This is after he's killed the bad guy. I think the gun. there's even a gunshot in here. I, I can't remember, but... Um, This is just some of the greatness that was James Horner.
so yeah. Um, oops, sorry. Um, but something else I, I've always thought, even Steve, when you and I were watching this thing when we were twelve, is that I always thought that that music was out of place because the whole movie is this kind of. I don't know that the action scenes were just the, the music was there in, in the background and it was this kind of driving thing. And then we get to this kind of sci-fi sounding epic kind of music. And, and it always kind of reminded me of Star Trek, which uh, James Horner, Star Trek two, which James Horner did. Um, uh, but I, I still you're, like, you're just looking for, you're looking for any excuse to bring up Star Trek two. You know, you're right. Uh, it was also in my top 10. So there you go. Yeah. It was my number two. Uh, um, uh, Serenity was my number one in case you're wondering, Steve um, Soundtrack grade, though I would give this movie um, a, uh, just going to say an A for awesome I love the soundtrack Even that part, though it doesn't really fit I still think it was great I thought the soundtrack was great um, But again, I'm super, super biased towards this movie um, So there you go What did we learn from this movie? We also learned not to mess with Bruce Willis Especially when he doesn't have shoes yeah. Um, and we also learned that he has large feet, apparently, because that terrorist had kind of big feet, and he said they were smaller than his sister, so his sister must have big feet, too. <laughs> um, so there you go. At this point of the show, we usually do a top three. Well, uh, because I've been on vacation and just recently got back, I forgot to text you, Steve, what would be your top three. So for lack of anything better to do, I'm going to say, off the top of your head, your top three Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis films. Oh, man. Um, um, so hold on, wait, wait. I got to play this first. Okay. Woo! There you go. Top three Bruce Willis films. Or how about this? We'll do it differently. Or Ch- uh, uh, Chad. <laughs> so you saw him, Chad. Steve. You can call me Chad. Uh, if you want, we can just rank the order of the, of the Die Hard films. No, because they came out in the order of how good they were. Uh, I think three is better than two. Okay. <laughs> so it's one, three, two, four, five. <laughs> I, the four and five don't exist to me. That's like, <laughs> you know, that's like the new Star Wars movies. You're like, okay, this is cute, but this is a different thing. Yeah. I wonder if they're making, are they making another one? Another Die Hard? Yeah, I don't see it in his credit, so I don't think so. Yeah. Have you, have you, I don't know if you've noticed, though, but Bruce Willis is falling into this um, this thing now where, like, he's he's not married anymore, right? So he's just, i got nothing better to do, so I'm just going to do a bunch of shit films. So, like, so 2010, good God. So he does, so, so he does Surrogates in 09, which I thought was actually a really good movie. Yeah, that was um, okay. Um and then in 2010 alone, he does Cop Outs, The Expendables, I'm Still Here, and Red. I liked Red. And then in 2011, he does Set Up, Catch 44, and The Black Mamba. Which I've Kobe heard of, Bryant? I, I guess. I've heard of none of those. And then 2012, he did, just 2012, Lay the Favorite, The Cold Lay, Light of Day, Moonrise Kingdom, The Expendables 2, Man with Fire, Looper. I've heard of Looper and Expendables 2. Oh man, Moonrise Kingdom is great. It's a, it's a Wes Anderson movie, mm. um, and it's 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 a, it's like a little love story of, of two you know like kind of preteens. Yeah. And uh, Bruce Willis plays like 
the sheriff of the little Cape Cod town they live in. Oh, yeah, Captain and, Sharp is his name, yeah. Yeah, and he does a great job, and oh, he's gosh. kind of got like this really cooled-off love affair with one of the – I think it's with Francis McDormand's character in that movie. But uh, I, I actually really like him. I, I, I love Bruce Willis, but I don't think that he can act seriously. Um, right. Just the few movies where he's been in where he's tried to cry, I'm always just like, all right, man. We, sh- we we should have we should have done to Bruce Willis on crying what we did to Kevin Costner on his British accent and right. uh, just, just tell you to stop. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what, man? Actually, we're gonna skip this scene. You're just, we're gonna allude later on to the fact that you did cry. 2003 was a good was a better year. He did a Good Day to Die Hard, GI Joe, Retaliation, and Red Two, all sequels. Well, whatever. So, a Good Day to Die Hard, I have not even seen yet. I have it on my DVR. I have not even yeah. watched it yet because it it just looked terrible. G.I. Yeah. Joe Retaliation was horrendous, but he was the only part in the movie that I liked in an otherwise bad, bad movie. I know you liked the first one, which you did years ago when it came out. Um, I thought, I think they're both kind of terrible. The second one's better than the first one, but I didn't really like either one of them. But Yeah. Um, you were the G.I. Joe collector of the two of oh, us. Oh, man. Yeah, those little rubber band torsos. I used to take those things to the limit. That's right. Uh, and Sergeant then, Slaughter. And Wait, so you want my top three B-dubs movies? Yeah, go for it. I'm def- number one's going to be Die Hard, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just like you're one of the only people who likes Serenity. I'm one of the only people who really likes Hudson Hawk. <laughs> uh, I liked Hudson Hawk so much that I actually got down on Bruce Willis's uh, music career when he was Bruno. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Bruno's Bruno, records? Bruno the Kid, yeah. Or, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, I like paid American currency for the Bruno record. Um, <laughs> American currency. <laughs> I pay, I didn't pay like wampum or like an IOU. Like I gave him, I threw down some doll oh, hairs. Hudson Hawk was after Die Hard. What am I thinking? Why does that keep making noises? Sorry. You're so important. You're getting emails. I'm, well, I'm getting texts from students, which is weird. I keep, I keep texting you telling you good job, good question. <laughs> is that what's happening? Stop it. <laughs> so we did Blind Date before Die Hard, but Hudson Hawk came after Die Hard 2. Yeah, I mean, he was unknown when he did Die Hard. Oh, like, absolutely, he really, yeah. Yeah. You remember that the initial poster that you saw in theaters was just a silhouette of a man's face, and yeah. you couldn't really see who it was because they weren't sure who was going to take the role? Yeah. But uh, it was time to go ahead and start promoing the movie. Well, I, I only know that because of trivia. I didn't know that from anything else other than the fact that I read that recently. I didn't know that before Wednesday. Um, I knew that because I didn't have any friends other than you growing up. <laughs> it's not true. But anyway, um, <laughs> but like if you and I, like, I'm, look, I'm looking at his stuff from 80. So everything I have seen, oh my God, I've seen a lot. So Die Hard and then Look Who's Talking, Die Hard 2, Look Who's Talking 2, Bonfire of the Vanities. I've not seen Mortal Thought, but Hudson Hawk, the Last Boy Scout, Death Becomes Her, um, Striking Distance, Pulp Fiction. I mean, I've seen all of these things. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I haven't seen Four Rooms. Ooh, I heard that was really bad. Anyway. Yeah, Four Rooms is not good. Yeah, no. Striking Distance is actually my number two uh, Bruce Willis movie. Really? Yeah, I, I really like Striking Distance. Tom I don't know why. Sizemore and Yeah, man. Yeah. And then uh, Tears of the Sun is going to be my number three Bruce Willis movie. That is a good one. That was a, uh, was that a John Woo film? Either him or Antoine Fuqua. I don't remember who uh, directed Anton- it. It was Antoine Fuqua. You're right. Um, 
you, you get yourself into trouble saying his last name as well as Fuddruckers. Growing he, up, I tried to stay away from Fuddruckers. He, uh, Fuqua's making a new movie that actually looks really good. And why can't I not friggin' find it? When did Tears in of the Sun m- came out? It came out in the 2000s, I think, right? I, I was thinking it was like 99, there it is, maybe. 2000, 2003. Okay, wow. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua. He's coming out with something new. And it looks great. The Magnificent Seven, that's what he's doing now. That actually looks kind of interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Anyway. Um, yeah, I like Tears of the Sun. I can't uh, disagree with that list. I wouldn't. I, it's not my list. But, uh-oh. Lost Steve. Steve. Just to hit you with a couple of one-liners there every you. once in a while. Hey, there you go. <laughs> We lost you for a second. Sorry, man. That's okay. Um, what were you saying? I blame I blame the internet. Uh, I said, you know who would have been great just to kind of have like in the crew for uh, for Hans Gruber would be Christopher Walken. Just to kind of hit you with a couple of one liners <laughs> like in the office, you know? Oh my god! Oh, we gotta get to. The, well, I can't do a Christopher Walken. Nobody can. But. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very the few roof. People. Ow! <laughs> we gotta go. There was someone that was, it was a meme. It was, um, it said the standard, it was a, it was a sentence and it was the standard comma. Uh, Paul, Steve, uh, Paul, Steve and Sean are all going to the park. Then there was the, the Oxford comma, Paul, Steve, comma, and Sean are going to the park. Right. And then there's the walking comma, Paul, Steve, and there's a comma after and Sean are going to the park. And then there's right. the William Shatner comma, Paul, Steve, and Sean are going to the park. So <laughs> right. anyway, uh, you have to be a fan of both of those actors to get that joke. If you haven't, go watch Star Trek and anything Christopher Walken's done. Yep. Uh, for him, I I don't know. For Bruce, so number one, I'm going to have to say, Die Hard slash Die Hard with a Vengeance, because I really like Die Hard with a Vengeance also. Yeah. Um, that was one that you and I watched until your tape broke. Um, we watched that just, just we watched that one a really, really lot. Um, and then well, I framed that tape. <laughs> uh, there's just so many, though, that I like that he's in. Like, I'm going through his list. I would actually probably have to put The Fifth Element in this top three. Maybe, yeah. like, number two. Corbin, my man. Corbin, my man. We did, and we did that for the podcast. I don't know if you saw, uh, listened to that one. We actually watched The Fifth Element and then recorded as we want, like a very much completely ripping off Mystery Science Theater 3000. I totally admit that. Yeah. Um, we should do more of that. That sounds great. Uh, we, we will. We will eventually. In fact, we are planning on, the four of us are planning on doing that for Sharknado. Oh, perfect. We just got to find a time that the four of us can sit together. I'm having a hard time with my last one. It's either going to have to be... Because I really like, you know what? I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say Unbreakable. Okay. You know, I just, there's something about that movie. I like it a lot. Sam hates it, uh, but I, I like it a lot. I think it's great. He says it's too slow, but. So you, you really like the Bruce Willis-Samuel L. Jackson combo. Oh, yeah. It's like two-thirds of them right there, isn't it? Yeah, I do. Um, in fact, if they could have had Sam Jackson playing, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um not Corbin Dallas. That was Bruce Willis's character. Um, oh, Chris Tucker's Chris character. Tucker character. Ruby Rod. <laughs> yeah, Ruby Rod. How funny would that have been? Anyway, um, 
not not as good, man, because you really have to. Chris Tucker is so good at making you just like you just want him to shut up, but you're like, man, I like you, but I just don't want you to talk anymore. Right, exactly. Especially when he's screaming for the timer for the uh, the bomb. Yeah. No, 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 because if it was a bomb, the alarms would go off because all these hotels have bomb detectors. Yeah, but your voice is way too low. Oh yeah, that's true. No, 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 no. Because if it was a bomb, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Um. I will say this about John Luke Besson, the director of said uh, famed uh, um, movie. Jean-Luc? Yeah, he, he hasn't really done a whole lot of good movies since then. No, um, or before then. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, Leon the Professional was really good. Yeah. And he did, um, um, what was it? He did a movie called Wasabi. The Transporter, he wrote The Transporter. He didn't direct it. Hmm. Um. Looking at his director credits, so I watched Lucy. wasn't good. I was super disappointed at Lucy. Did you see that with? Uh, is, that, is that the one with Scarlett Johansson? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet. I will watch it. I mean, don't don't let my words you know stray you from watching it. I mean, please do. It was just. I, I, I don't know. I just maybe I was expecting superhero and got something else. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, but yeah, Leon the Professional and then the Fifth Element. Um, I thought he did that, but maybe he didn't. Uh, where is it? 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 Lockout. Have you seen Lockout? That's the oh, yeah. uh, the Guy Pierce. With the Guy Pierce in the space jail. I'll I'll watch anything that Guy Pierce or Barry Pepper are in because I think they're two of the least celebrated best actors we have. Yeah, Barry Pepper is actually really really good. Um. I call them B-peps, but... Well, because you, you, you're famous, so you can do that. Yeah, um, we're, we're super tight. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little like, podcast host. I can't, do, I can't say that. <laughs> um, he would be like, hey, uh-uh. No, yeah, he, I can't Nobody calls me B-peps, That's right. Steve. I mean, I, I don't even know where Central Africa is, so, I mean, what do I know about Barry Pepper? So, um, exactly. that's a callback. Anyway, so there you go. That's, that's it, right? That's kind of the podcast. That's it. Um... I do think it's worth noting that whoever cast Reginald Bill Johnson as uh, Al Powell just wins life because <laughs> every time he's on the screen, you just you just want to hug him. He's got the chubbiest cheeks. He's like everybody's child when you're like, oh, I just want to pinch him. And he's also a cop in everything he does. Um, yeah, did, yeah. Did you watch Chuck or ever see it or anything like that? It was, uh, no. It, it, it was, uh, I think you actually would really dig it. Uh, it was on NBC for a while. We did five episodes. But we just had an episode. It was the Die Hard episode where the, the store that acts as the front for the CIA that Chuck works for is taken over by bad guys, legitimate bad guys. The, the cop on scene is him, is huh. Reginald, as Sergeant Al Powell. Oh, that's perfect. And he's literally eating Twinkies every time we see him on screen. He's like on the bullhorn trying to negotiate while while eating Twinkies. It's <laughs> hilarious. I wonder if that's like a thing that they write for him or if it's like Brad Pitt always wants to be eating nachos or chicken wings in his scenes in like right. the Ocean's movies. If he just really does like Twinkies and it's the only way that he can explain it to his wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had to eat 16 Twinkies today on set. 16? And I did a lot of reshoots. I kept yeah, messing yeah, up the yeah. line. They, they well, why, did, why did you keep yelling cut, Reginald? You're not the director. <laughs> right. Why did you keep messing up the line on purpose? Um, there's even a scene where one of the characters, um, he, he, he's the store manager. He's like this little scrawny kid, and he, 
It was after Black Friday, right? So he's exhausted. He's in his office, and he's got his feet in the little uh, foot massager thing, right? So yeah. his, his socks and shoes are off, right? So he's got his little feet. And then the, the, the bad guys come in. So he, of course, he's only wearing a, a wife beater, pants, and no shoes. And he crawls through the air ducts. And then he drops down to save his buddies, but they uh, they knocked over one of the bulletin boards, so all the little push pins are all over the floor. So he's got to walk barefoot over the push pins, <laughs> and he finds because he, he does he also is part of the the, the CIA thing, and he he finds a gun. So he's like, "How am I going to do this?" And he looks over and he sees the packing tape. So he packing tapes it to his back, right? To for for the famous for the famous line. What famous yeah. line is that, Sean? It's this famous line. That's not Do you really playing, think you so. have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... That's right. So, he reaches back for the gun, but he taped it so much on his back, he can't <laughs> get the gun off. He's like, he's just reaching back for it, and he can't get the gun off, so it's it's what makes it, because it's a comedy, it's a show, it's a comedy, so, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it. Uh, also, at this point, Steve, we do our top ten. Not top ten, I already said that. Out of ten... We re rank the movie out of 10. Uh, so, out of 10. 11. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, usually, I stall enough so I can be able to pull up the document that we keep this thing written down so that Sam updates the website as information to pull from. And as I continue to stall by telling exactly what I'm doing, it's not very effective. Um, I do want to tell the listeners, I can, you know, we're doing this via video Skype and. The uh, the overhead light, or no, I think it's the light from your uh, computer. No, it's, it's the, totally this one here. That's the overhead. Oh no, I think it's the computer is in your glasses, oh. and it's totally like grayed out your pupils. So it, you look like a cyborg this whole time. Well, you know, I am. All you, you know that all gingers are. So yeah, we don't have cells. Yeah, see, Sam wasn't here to make the joke, so I had to make the joke. So. Yeah. Hey, we're winning right now. It was weird to be a ginger when we were growing up, but now it's like cool. Uh, yeah, actually, it is because people like make fun of us, but I think it's more of like a jealousy thing, you know, than than an actual whatever. Either or they're genuinely scared of us. Um, it's both. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Uh, so, out of ten, uh, Steve, how many uh, um, <laughs> Fu Manchu eating uh, uh, guys eating uh, candy bars out of ten would you give this? I would give this movie 10 Fu Manchu wielding candy bar eaters. There you go. That's Al Leong for those who are playing at home. Okay. Um, he's in a lot of other movies like that and MASH and things. Um, 10. You're solid 10. It's a great movie. You know what? I, I'm not going to give it a 10 um, because I'm not, but I'm going to give it a 9.5 because I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Obviously, made my top three. Um I, I like the movie. I don't care about some of the faults. Yeah, you know, the... the. So there's a couple little bit of plot points, but they don't... Plot holes, but they don't really... They don't matter, you know? Like, so what? Hans needed to have a party there and all these other things, but I, I, I don't really... That stuff, that's inconsequential, you know? It's, it's still a good movie for what it is. I had a good time with it. So, uh, I'm going to just say a 9.5. Um, I mean, what's what's the point five that's that you're not that you're not giving it? I, I'm curious. Are you just ashamed? You just don't want to give this a ten, and then also give like Shawshank or The Wolf of Wall Street a ten? Well, no, Wolf of Wall Street didn't get a ten. Wolf got 
I gotta find it. I didn't write that one down. It it it, it got high marks from us, but it didn't get a ten. Okay. Um, I'm now you gotta make me. Now you're gonna make me look. Um, there was just too much. There was too much cocaine and nudity in that movie for you. It's not that it was that. Um, that didn't bother me. It was. Um, the, the movie did, I, like, I like to think of your mom listening to this podcast and you get to that line where you're like, that didn't bother me. It wasn't the boobs and the cocaine. No, well, it actually wasn't. And it wasn't the fact that I think we did the math. It was like the F bomb was dropped on average three times per minute. Yeah. It was um, like, it was like GD in that matrix movie, which I think was the second one where you had that white commander of the ship who just like oh, everything. Yeah. It just GD everything. Yeah. So as of right now, uh, uh, well, Wolf of Wall Street is our highest movie, highest rated movie, uh, at eight point eight seven five. Okay. And um, with the usual suspects coming in just under it, and then Good Morning Vietnam, and then Good Morning Vietnam, and then Silence of the Lambs, and then The Hunt for October rounding out our top five. So, How's your Sosa? Uh, oh, well, you know, um, yes. So, to, to answer your question, which I have not still not done yet, why did I why did I not give it a, a ten? Um, I even used the phrase that I think this movie is a perfect film, that it perfectly executes the idea that is this movie. Yeah, it it perfectly. You see the title, you know exactly what you're getting. You know from the minute that this movie starts that you're going to have a good time. Um, but a part of me also says, but I wouldn't. I can't also give Serenity and Star Trek two a ten. But, but you know, why don't? Why can't I? I don't know. I, I, maybe I can. Um, yeah. Uh, there's no reason why I shouldn't. Uh, I, I couldn't like this movie anymore. Like, it, it, there couldn't have been any more of any one thing that I'd have been like, oh yeah. I mean, it, it, this is how funny this, Steve. When I watched this movie for the podcast, I watched it on Father's Day while my son was taking his nap, and. Uh, I, I get the I get my Blu-ray, I got my candy and my soda, and I got my laptop so I can take notes. And Sarah looks at my wife. Sarah looks at me and she goes, "You would probably be watching this if it wasn't even for the podcast." And I'm like, "That's pop. That's possible." And then she gives me the look, and she's she's because we've had this argument, this ongoing argument for like the last three years. And she looks at me and goes, "It's not a Christmas movie." I'm like, "It is a Christmas movie." So yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I did not watch this movie for the podcast. I I've seen this movie so many times that like it wouldn't have even like made a dent. Like yeah. I I could recall you this entire script. It's like Monty Python and the Holy Grail when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And everybody was like, "Oh, can you shut up for four seconds?" And like, nope. Nope. We're gonna keep quoting it. What's your favorite color? Green. No blue. Ah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was high school. All in one sentence right there. Um, yeah. Mix in a couple quotes of um, something else, and there you go. Uh, no, that's it. That's that's it. I'm I'm gonna end it. So I'm gonna stick with my top with my nine point five. Um, Was well, hey, that still makes this movie the highest uh, combined rated movie because we I, I gave it a ten, you gave it a nine point five. Yeah. So I, I don't know if we'll put this in because because it's just you and me. It's not the full. Don't cast. you let me down, Sean. So I'll I'll uh, I'll have to run it by the board of governors of the podcast. Um, <laughs> A.K.A. Chad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he is the, uh, the governor of, of everything. Uh, know who is not the governor? The devil. That's right. So, nope. There you go. Um, 
good podcast, man. I feel like we really nailed it. Yeah. Thanks, pal. Thanks for stepping in, um, for filling in. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Good to see you and hear you. Um, yeah. And that's it. Uh, I'm going to play the little, uh, little outro music here, but while this is happening, do you, uh, you, are you watching anything? Or I actually tell you what, since I got you, Steve Everett, why don't you uh, plug yourself for a few seconds while I play a little uh, music here? Yeah. Uh, you can listen to my tunes at steveeverett.net. And uh, I'm actually the vice president, newly elected, of a uh, children's cancer charity called Rock by the Sea. And uh, our stuff is at rockbythesea.org. And uh, we give to a couple of uh, pediatric brain tumor programs and uh, Children's Literacy Council. And we also help uh, kids who can't afford instruments get instruments. But it's down in Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm excited to get that check for $3.50 from that clip you paid played earlier of uh, West Coast Time. <laughs> Uh, it's in the mail, pal. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you'll get you'll get half of all the money that we make on this episode tonight. Perfect. Yeah. Can I have a hundred percent of the money that you make? Uh, you may, in fact. Um, so there you go. I- uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, next week we are watching. I just had it up. Um, assuming everybody comes back healthy, we will watch November Man, that Pierce Brosnan thing where he's trying to do what Liam Neeson did and have an action career in his 60s. So, um, November Man, coming up next week, hopefully. Uh, uh, again, thanks, big thanks to Steve for filling in. You may follow us on Facebook at, uh, or follow, facebook.com slash CheapSeatReviews. Visit our website, CheapSeatReviews.com. Follow us on Twitter at CheapSeatCast. Follow me, Sean J. Allred, and Steve is at Steve R. Everett with two T's. That's R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. Uh, please send us your emails to cheapseatreviews at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Steve. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, well, we haven't seen this is Sean saying goodnight. Thanks for listening. And yippee ki